Yo, today's QOD is people that never take step one, never take step two. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. This is by far my favorite clip of the whole entire week. Why? Because there are way too many people, way, 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 way too many people who hate their jobs. I hear it all the time. Sean, I don't like what I do. I hate my job. And to me, that just feels like just, just such a negative, stressful unhealthy way to be for 40 something hours a week and what zig ziglar is going to do today if you don't like your job is give you another way to look at it because many times it's not the job it's the perception of the job here's zig how do you handle a job you hate now i know you love your job as you listen to this but there are a lot of people who have jobs that they're just not very excited about. Uh, they, you know, they kind of hate them. I was going through the airport out at DFW, through the uh, security bits, you know, and this uh, young man was there, and I always said, thank you very much. How you doing? He said, just awful. I hate this job. <laughs> and I smiled at him, and I said, well, you know, that's interesting. I'm certain that there are literally thousands of people in Dallas, Texas alone who would love to have this job that you absolutely hate. The young man did a quick double take. He said, you know, I never thought about that. I said, well, don't you really think you ought to think about it just for a moment? How do you learn to love a job that you hate? And if you can't learn to love it, how do you get to be productive? Let me, let me tell you a story. It's about a guy named Richard Oates. Now, Richard Oates was a superintendent with one of the nation's largest home builders. For five years, uh, he worked with them. Last three years, he was under such intense pressure that he literally, he told me less than a week ago, he said, you know, I hated Sundays. And I said, well, why on earth did you hate Sundays? He said, because Sunday was the last day before I would have to get back in the rat race. And he said, I was under so much pressure, I was stressed out to an incredible degree. Well, let me tell you the rest of that story. In the five years he was there, he only missed four days because of illness. In the last three years he was there, he was never late a single time, regardless of the weather, regardless of how he felt, regardless of how the, what the car trouble was. He always uh, did not use the complete vacation time. The last year he was there, he was recognized as one of their top superintendents, would undoubtedly have gotten the award as being the best, but he had in the meantime accepted a better position, and they just generally don't give those awards to people when they have left the company they're with. Perhaps the most amazing uh, thing, though, is that the thing that was uh, so amazing to me, although he had uh, 400 home units that he was in charge of, 15 to 20 homes going up at all times, in the uh, last 10 months, he built and closed 83 homes without missing a single move-in date. 
Now, that is absolutely unbelievable. I asked him, I said, well, how'd you do it? He said, well, first of all, you know, there is a question of survival. I do have responsibilities. I just love to eat. I have responsibility to my wife. I have other responsibilities. I had a responsibility to my company. I'm known as a company man. My responsibility was to give them the very best that I had, regardless of how I might be feeling at the moment. Now, folks, that's what we call character. Character is the ability to carry out a good resolution long after the excitement of the moment has passed. That is accepting responsibility. He said not only that, but he said, uh, I had a, a mentor, uh, Stan uh, Sermonak, who had really taken me under his wing, had made it possible for me to get this particular job, had been my mentor and encourager. I did not want to let him down. Now, what is all of that saying, folks? There are some absolutes in life. You know, we talk about relative this and relative that. Uh, well, you know, relative as far as I'm concerned are brothers and sisters and in-laws and that sort of thing. But there are values that are not relative. For example, suppose we were to take the laws and say, well, we've got about 2,000 on the book. I believe in, let's see, this one, this one, this one, that. But I don't like that one at all. I'm going to take that one out of there. We would be in chaos, would we not? It would be anarchy. Now, the thing I guess I like best of all about Richard Oates, and I recognize that this is going to sound a little self-serving, he just happens to have married one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen in her life, uh, my daughter. Now, that means very simply that uh, he's my son-in-law, but the story is that today he's our vice president in charge of marketing and product development, applying the same energy, the same commitment. You see, he took a job he did not like, gave it his absolute best, learned the skills, the commitment, the responsibility to move into a better job. Don't like your job? Give it your best shot. That's the way you get the better job. Let me give you the second illustration. Several years ago, my executive assistant, uh, Laurie Majors, received a telephone call from a lady in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, Laurie is quite a story. She's been with me 18 years. She finished the 10th grade. Two years ago, we evaluated our key employees. Laurie graded out at slightly above the master's degree level. Let me tell you something. You can finish school. You can even make it easy. You never finish your education, and it is seldom easy. She simply keeps on learning, keeps on going. And you, by virtue of the fact that you have invested in uh, this set of tapes, taking your money, now taking your time, means that you're investing in yourself, in your future, and I commend you for that. Laurie got this phone call from this lady in Birmingham, Alabama. After the phone call, she said to me, you know, Zig, the lady thinks she's got an incredible problem. I think that you could probably solve it in five minutes if you can meet with her when you get to Birmingham. I said, well, Laurie, I'll get there early, invite the lady to come backstage. We'll have a little chat. When the lady came backstage, uh, and incidentally, I don't do counseling. I'm not trained for it. I don't have the time for it. My natural inclination is to believe everything the last person I talk to tells me. And, so, and that doesn't make really for professional counseling, you know. But if somebody says, I got, uh, I got a problem. If I got five minutes, I'll give it my best shot. That's all I can do. Well, when the lady spotted me, she came walking across the stage, and I have never seen such anger in my life. I mean, the stage was rattling. Now, I'm not going to say she was overweight, but she's about five and a half inches too short. 
when she saw me, when she saw me, she almost literally started crying. Oh, I'm so glad to see you. I got this terrible job. I just hate it. I want out of it. Can you help me? She's the kind of lady that can brighten up a whole room by leaving it, if you know what I mean. Now, in my own mind, I could well imagine this lady thinking that I was going to verbally put my arm around her and say, Yes, my dear, life is tough, but you got to hang in there, and by and by, things will work out okay. I could have done that, but if I had, I would have betrayed everything in which I believe. If somebody says help, I believe I'm supposed to help. Now, as I said, I don't do any counseling, but I'm so fortunate I have access to some of the really outstanding minds in this country. I check things out psychologically, physiologically, and theologically before I record it, write it, or verbalize it, and have strong endorsements from all three disciplines. There's the one thing I do know about counseling, and that is that most people who come to you with a problem do not want a solution to the problem. What they want to do is they want to tell you about it, 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 you about it. And if you foul up the deal and solve the problem, then they can't tell you again, you again, you again, and you again. They want to talk about the problem. They do not want to solve the problem. I had very few minutes. I knew I had to get her attention, so I said, yes, and you know, ma'am, the sad thing is, I believe your situation is about to get a whole lot worse. Had I hit her in the face with a bucket of ice water, I could not have stunned her more. She said, what do you mean? I said, I believe that your company is going to fire you. Fire me? Why on earth would they fire me? You know, isn't it the truth that people who are the problem never recognize they are the problem? They're in complete denial. They think denial is just a river in Egypt. I mean, they are, you know, they, they're just not with it. You know, no snowflake ever blames itself for the blizzard. No raindrop ever blames itself for the flood. But each plays a part. Every person in life either builds or tears down. Why would they fire me? I said, ma'am, I don't believe there's a company in America big enough to sustain this much poison in one small spot. And all of a sudden, the job she hated everything about all of a sudden takes on a little different uh, hue and value. She said, well, what am I going to do? I said, do you really want to know? She said, yeah, that's right. And I came to you for help, but you sure hadn't been much help so far. <laughs> and I said, well, ma'am, I got an idea. I believe it'll work. And if you will do it, I know it will work. She said, well, tell me about it. I said, when you get home tonight, I want you to get a sheet of paper out. And I want you to make a list of all of the things you do like about your company and the people down there. She interrupted me. She said, that'll be easy. I don't like nothing about that company. Don't like nothing about those people down there. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do they pay you for working there? Well, she said, of course they pay me for working there. I said, you don't like to be paid for working. Well, she said, I certainly do. I said, then you like to be paid. She said, of course. I said, well, that's one thing you like about your job. She said, why, certainly. I said, a minute ago, you said that there wasn't nothing you liked about the job. Well, I didn't know you was talking about that. I said, well, you don't you think money's important? She said, yeah. I said, okay, let me ask you the second question. Are they pay you above average, below average, or about average for what you do? Well, she said, I got to confess, they pay me above average. I said, and don't you like to be paid above average? Well, she said, certainly I do. I said, tell you what I want you to do. I want you to get that sheet of paper out right now. We're going to make a list of all of the things that you do like about your job. Well, she just sat there. I said, no, go ahead, get the paper out. We'll make a list right now. She just sat there. I said, ma'am, let me tell you what my experience in life has been. 
People that won't take step one never take step two. Now, if you're unwilling to get involved in solving your own problem, we might as well terminate the interview. See, I can't solve your problem as you listen to this. I can give you some ideas, some information that will put you in better position to solve it. But I cannot solve your problem, nor can anyone else. We can give you ideas and information, but ultimately the solution has got to be there. She didn't want any part of having to solve her own problem. Uh, so I, that's the reason I did that. I said, "Get you got your notebook in your hand, open it up, let's take some notes. With anger, she opened the book. She said, now what did you say the first thing I liked about my job was? <laughs> I said, they pay you for work in there. Write it down. I like my job. By the time we got through, this was about 15 years ago. By the time we got through, there were 22 things she liked about her job. She had three weeks vacation with pay. She had hospitalization insurance, health insurance. She was on a profit-sharing plan, had a great uh, retirement plan. She was on a bonus program. She was in on executive decisions. She lived less than 15 minutes from her office, had her own private uh, 22 things. I said, now, man, when you get home tonight, I want you to get this list out. I want you to change it from I like my job because to I love my job. I want you to get in front of the mirror and I want you to look yourself right in the eye and say, I love my job and do it with enthusiasm. I said, you'll sleep better tonight. When you get up tomorrow morning, uh, get back in front of the mirror before you go to work and look yourself right in the eye and say exactly the same thing and take the list with you. Because in 24 hours, you will have moved from being a fault finder to a good finder. You know, a lot of people look for fault, uh, uh, you know, try to find fault like there's a reward for it. I said, you will begin to look for something good, and you'll be amazed at how much that list is going to grow. Do this every morning, every night for the next 30 days. Six weeks later, I was back over there conducting a sales seminar. And in the meantime, she had gotten our set of tapes, and she had learned that everybody's in sales. See, the sales department is not our whole company, but our whole company is our sales department. Everybody's in sales. And so when I got there for the sales seminar, there she sat right on the front row, grinning so wide she could have eaten a banana sideways. I mean, <laughs> she was really excited. And I said, well, how you doing? She grinned even more broadly, and she said, I'm doing wonderfully well, Mr. Ziegler. You cannot believe how much those people down there have changed. <laughs> I hope you love that one as much as I did. You can learn more about Zig at ZigZiglar.com. Today's talk comes from, I believe it's like a four-hour seminar on YouTube. It is called Zig Ziglar Motivation for 2019. That's it for me. I've got uh, Carolyn Mace, Dr. Carolyn Mace on the show tomorrow talking about how every word is a universal. Tune in for that and uh, have a great day. I'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.